Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. I do apologise, some birds in the background. Or no apologies for the birds, that's pretty pretty nice. But uh, there's a bit of construction work going on as well. Mainly the birds right now. That bird is going off, but today it is time... Excuse me, bird. Today it is time... Just let the bird know. Uh, for me to get into the NRL Power Podcast, giving my review on all of the action from Round 7. Now, I've just worked off my hangover... Went to the Warriors Storm game last night to chair on the Warriors. Was feeling great at halftime, not so much at full time. Plenty to get into as far as that game. Uh, and yeah, saw a lot being at the actual game, soaking in the atmosphere. But look, that was the last game of the round. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump through from the first game on Thursday all the way through. And of course, this is called the NRL Power Podcast. So I'm going to power through it fairly quickly, touching all the points that I feel I need to get to. And then for my extended thoughts, I will be sitting down a bit later today and recording my preview for round eight alongside JJ. So anything that I want to talk about in greater detail, I'll save that for the preview podcast being recorded a little bit today, a bit later today, sorry. So let's get it started jumping into the Thursday action where the Sharks kicked off the proceedings against the Sea Eagles. Now, my prediction in this one was wrong, totally. I went for the underdogs in the Seagulls, but just like from the get-go, the Sharks tore it up from the very first minute. CC, or CSC for Talakai, my apologies, had a killer game. He continues to just be unbelievably strong in the centers, in the forwards, off the bench. It does not matter where you play this guy. He is really starting to become one of the premier players of the NRL. Mulitalo scoring a double as well. And look, they shot out to a 34-0 lead. Oh, I believe it was 32-0, my apologies. So a 32-0 lead the Sharks jumped out to. Ended up at 34-22 in the Sharks' favour. So the Seagulls tried to mount a comeback, but, I mean, the job was done in the first half, no doubt. Cronulla Sharks looking amazing. And look, I'm officially jumping on the Sharks' bandwagon in my season predictions or preview, I put them in ninth because I wasn't sure who to take out of my eight. I put the Warriors in my eight and the Titans. So, look, definitely could have made room for the Sharks in, in hindsight. And now I'm officially jumping on the bandwagon. I have seen enough to say I'm loving the direction this team's headed in, which is what I talked about. I was already a huge fan of where the Sharks were going. I just thought it would take them a little bit longer to get there. But... They are hitting their stride, so hugely impressed with the Sharks. And Matt Moylan having a great start to the season. I'm hearing that he may be re-signed at Cronulla, which is great for him. He's worked really hard to prove himself. And look, he's stringing consistent games in the NRL together for the first time in quite a while. As for the Seagulls side of things, Morgan Harper having a shocker of a game, unfortunate for this young star. And yeah, he was hooked at halftime, they, they took him off. D- 
didn't didn't bring him back. So very interesting there. I'll be curious as to whether Morgan Harper is named to play for the Seagulls in round eight. And Manly were just lethargic, very slow coming out of the blocks. And the Sharks managed to get the jump on them and the Seagulls never really stood a chance from that point on. So look, Manly, they've won only against bottom eight sides. Every time they face a side in the top eight, they seem to lose. So not great signs for Manly, who are being labelled as flat-track bullies. But their next game, which I'll highlight in a moment, that is going to be a big one. They need to win that, Manly. As far as their best 17, look, I think there are two centre spots up for grabs. Morgan Harper hooked. And Brad Parker not starting the year in very good form. So guys like Tolotau Kola and Christian Tuipilotu are really going to be pushing to keep themselves in the first grade setup. And there's going to need to be a lift from both Morgan Harper and Brad Parker. As far as the difference maker in this game, how could I go past Sifa Talakai? Three tries, two try assists, eight tackle breaks, 262 run meters, and three line breaks for Talakai. From the very get-go, he was destroying the Manly Seagulls, and you just had to stand up and take notice. That was an unbelievably great individual performance for Talakai. As far as the tackles, Croker and Braley, Lachlan Croker and Blake Braley, both dummy halves for their side, getting 42 tackles. So, look, they get through a lot of defense, and after that game from Braley and Talakai and a few others, there are definitely some New South Wales Blues bolters in the mix. A lot of talk about Talakai maybe sewing up a bench spot, which I think he's done enough to probably earn the right at this stage. We've got Nico Hines, who if Nathan Cleary goes down, then I think it could be between Mitch Moses and Nico Hines as to who steps into the halves for the Blues. But obviously Cleary has a mortgage on that jersey. That could make Nico Hines an interesting number 14 option. He has played there before for the Sharks, can cover a few positions as well. So potentially, if the Sharks keep winning, we see Nico Hines in the 14, although I wouldn't be surprised if Ryan Pappenhausen is the one who gets that jersey. And for the Blues, look, we know that Damian Cook most likely going to be the dummy half, but if he's injured or his form dips significantly, then Blake Braley seems to be the next man up at this stage. Arpi Corusau, the other one. But look, Blake Braley, he's younger than Arpi. He could potentially be the future Blues hooker for years to come. So Blake Braley, no doubt another one who's put his name right in the mix for the New South Wales Blues setup. Next week, we have the... Oh, this week, actually. Gee, what day is it? The Monday fixtures have definitely thrown me off. With Tuesday, we're well into the week. My bad. Uh, this weekend, on Thursday, only in a couple of nights... The Sharks are going to be backing up against the Broncos in Brisbane. That should actually be a massive test for the Sharks. I think the Broncos are going to be a real danger side for them. But if the Sharks can continue to win, well, they're going to keep themselves in that top four. And look, they may not be that affected by Origin. Even though I was talking about some bolters, I don't think the squad overall is going to be that affected by Origin. So the Sharks have an amazing chance to finish in the top four this year. And right now, they look like a top four side, absolutely dismantling Manly, who were one of the best sides last season. So Cronulla, no doubt, a watch this space kind of operation. And as for the Seagulls, they will be away from home up against the South Sydney Rabbitohs. As I said earlier, the Sea Eagles need to win this game. There's been so much chatter around the teams they've beaten and the teams they haven't beaten. 
flat track bullies. Well, I would like to see them get the win over the Rabbitohs. Yeah, South Sydney aren't as strong as they have been the last few years, but they are still coming off a grand final performance. So that's exactly the kind of team that Manly need to lift and get the win over. And I'll be really curious when the team lists come out in about an hour's time to see who's been named for the Sea Eagles. We may see a bit of a shake-up. So really interesting Thursday game. And then we jump into the Friday game where I was actually doing a late shift at work. Hopefully only one of the two I'll have to do and then back to normal proceedings. So I actually didn't get to see this game. I was working till midnight. But the Broncos ended up getting the job done over an understrength Bulldogs outfit. 34-14. to 14. We saw Selwyn Cobbo score a double and Josh Adokar scoring two tries as well. And for the Broncos, that win gives them some much-needed momentum. They are starting to build in a positive direction. They're having more consistency in around who is kind of in their best 17. And the guys outside of their best 17 are starting to put their best foot forward as well. Really happy to see Tamari Martin back in the NRL. Congratulations to him for his huge comeback. Uh, and look, Billy Walters and Corey Pakes, both dummy halves, they seem to have displaced Jake Turpin. And are they the better combination? Is that the better one going forward using Corey Pakes and Billy Walters? Well, maybe. For the Bulldogs, they are sitting dead last. So many consecutive losses. They are struggling to get things together. And look, they were going to be my cause for concern. If you've listened to the podcast before, you'd know that each week I do three kind of, I guess you'd call them awards, the X Factor player of the round, the rising star, kind of like the rookie of the year, and of course the cause for concern. So the Bulldogs sitting dead last, they were this close, my fingers are very close together right now, uh, to being the cause for concern, but there was another team uh, that rhymes with Schmorias that ended up unfortunately being the new cause for concern. So I'll get to that later, but still there are concerns around the Bulldogs now. I know they were under strength, but they are back in that familiar position of last with teams like the Tigers and the Dragons gaining some wins now to kind of separate themselves from Canterbury at the foot of the ladder. Going back to Jake Turpin, who may not be in the best 17 anymore, I think he's going to be going to the Dolphins. That's somewhere that makes sense. And I kind of feel like if they're looking for a dummy half, Jake Turpin fits the bill. So don't be surprised if we see Jake Turpin join the Dolphins. And speaking of the Dolphins, they've just today signed Tom Gilbert from the Cowboys. So Tom Gilbert heading over to the Dolphins. And I saw Dejan Arce from the Cowboys, young half. He has come over to the Warriors for the rest of the season. I believe that is a loan deal, but really happy with that. Keen to see how he goes. Back to the Broncos and Bulldogs game. The difference maker, no doubt, Payne Haas. It's just unbelievable. He is that marquee player that you can build the Broncos around. They will want to keep him long term. Other clubs, of, of course, they're going to be interested, but Payne Haas, he was the difference maker. 39 tackles, 254 run meters, and whoa, crazy train. And look, he just sets the platform. He is that, like, I don't know, even know the word. It's not quite enforcer because he's more dominant than an enforcer. Like, he just comes out and he gets shit done in the forwards. And you've got, got guys like Farnworth, Adam Reynolds, Cobbo, and Katoni Staggs, who they need good go forward. And Payne Haas is pretty much the definition of good go forward. He gets it done 
every week. He's such a standout player. No doubt he'll be featuring for the Kangaroos in the World Cup at the end of the year. And Payne Haas for the Broncos, he was the difference maker in this game. I thought he stepped up big time. As for my Rising Star nomination, well, I pick one player from each round. And once a player's been nominated, I won't nominate them again. And then at the end of the year, I'm going to give out just the one Rising Star Award for the best young player in the NRL this year. Seen plenty of nominations already. And in a couple of weeks over on the Instagram at Not Just a Sports Report, I'll be posting the first nine nominations so everyone can take a look through, see who's kind of in the mix. But for round seven, I have nominated Selwyn Cobbo as my NRL Rising Star nomination two tries for him he is the future fullback long term and he had an amazing game stepped up big time showed flashes of some real brilliance and look he had a great battle up against josh adokar who is one of the best wingers in the competition so really impressed with selwyn cobbo he is my round seven rising star nomination and for the bulldogs kyle flanagan he's been getting the go at halfback but i think they need to work something out there Maybe just like a stopgap solution for like the next year or two. But they need to find a halfback until there's someone they can invest their time developing or there's someone else on the market. So I would have thought Mitchell Pierce, a big money play for him, wouldn't be a bad suggestion. But he seems to be settled in the Super League. Speaking of the Super League, some guys over there maybe to target George Williams. I know the whole Raiders experiment was a bit of a failure and in the end he played really well but it just didn't work out maybe he's better off in England but if I were the Bulldogs I'd be looking at someone like George Williams I think he could be awesome alongside Matt Burton you have someone like Aiden Caesar who could be a cheaper option to play halfback Gareth Widdop another one do you persist with Kyle Flanagan look he's shown plenty of promise coming through the junior grades he is only young and yeah, maybe if you back him in, you will see the benefits of that. And another one that's probably very unlikely, but Kieran Foran. Eventually, Josh Schuster, he is going to want to play in that 5'8 jersey for Manly. I'm sure they're going to kind of give him that opportunity rather than shifting him on to keep Foran. So maybe, I know Kieran Foran, just his stint at the Dogs was so, so unfortunate, riddled with injury, but... Since coming back to Manly, Foran's kept himself on the park. He's playing as good a footy as ever. Maybe that's because he's under Dez and he's playing for Manly. And that all seems to suit his style. But Kieran Foran coming back as a halfback alongside Matt Burton, that could be an option as well. So there are some other ones, Luke Brooks. Uh, and yeah, you could look outside of some of those ones who aren't long-term options. But ultimately, the Bulldogs need to find themselves a halfback. Up next in round eight, as I said before, the Broncos will be hosting the Sharks, whilst the Bulldogs will be hosting the Roosters. That is going to be one of the great games. I think back to the early 2000s and what a rivalry it was. These two clubs were the pinnacle of the competition. Now, Roosters, look, they're still there, but that right now they aren't world beaters. They're not smashing it like they have in recent seasons. They're a little bit lower on the season uh, on the ladder, my apologies. But that's not panic stations yet for the Roosters. Whereas the Bulldogs, they are a far cry, so far away from what they once were in the early 2000s. They're trying to get back to that kind of greatness. And I think they're heading in the right direction, but they definitely don't want to collect another wooden spoon. Because yes, they've signed some mad players for next season. 
Kikau, Ryan Sutton, Reed Marnie, but they've signed a hell of a lot of dope players this season as well. So if they come last, that is not a great indication. It means that maybe Kikau and Marnie don't turn the club around as fast as I thought they would. But look, ultimately, I still have a lot of faith in the Bulldogs. I said in my season preview that I think they would have a really tough time of it early in the season, which they have. But I'm expecting the Bulldogs to start stringing some wins together as the season goes on. And maybe once they know they're not going to play finals and the pressure is relieved, I actually think we're going to see the Dogs show us what they can truly do. So hopefully exciting times for the Dogs who've just narrowly missed out on being my cause for concern in round seven. But that was the Friday game. Bit of a mixed fixture with the Anzac games taking place on Monday. So only one game on the Friday. Now moving on to the Saturday game. Time for the Saturday game. It was the freaking weekend. It is no longer the freaking weekend. It is now the freaking weekday. Uh, But it was the freaking weekend, and the Cowboys smashing the Titans in the 4X Derby in Townsville. Cowboys 2 from 2 in 4X Derbies this year against the other two Queensland sides. We saw for the Titans, David Fafita was named at centre. They may experiment with that a little bit as well. We've seen someone like Sifa Talakai exceed going out to the centres. But look, David Fafita, I think he's best utilised as a forward, but only time will tell. The 30-4 scoreline suggests, though, that, yeah, maybe he is better in the back row. Now, I was getting through my Survivor Australia podcast marathon, as well as going out for drinks on the Saturday, so I didn't catch a lot of this game, but highly impressed from the Cowboys. They now sit in fifth position, the genuine surprise packets of the season so far, and North Queensland are definitely building toward a very bright future under Todd Payton. For the Gold Coast Titans, they've been missing the mark early this season, and defence has been the major issue. I predicted Gold Coast to finish 8th this season, but that does not look likely at all right now. The Titans are seriously going to have to lift if they want to be playing finals again this season. For North Queensland though, they look like they are in a great spot to push toward another finals campaign. They didn't make it last year. They've had a few lean years. They've really kind of haven't been able to get things together but Todd Payton turning things around and over Origin I don't think they'll lose too many players they'll have their halves they should have their dummy half they'll have Tao Malolo so look they're not going to lose too many players over Origin hopefully they can stick strong I would love to see the Cowboys make the eight this season in terms of some stat leaders Bo Fermor topping the tackle count with 33 and Kyle Felt running for 166 metres. As far as the difference maker, Jason Taumalolo, no doubt. He just has that X factor, the oomph. And as I said, I didn't see a lot of the game, but I did look at parts of it and some stats and things like that. And look, we all know by now, Jason Taumalolo is a massive difference maker. Up next, the Titans will be hosting the Panthers in what is going to be the toughest game of their season so far. And the Cowboys are going to travel to take on the third-placed Eels. So that is going to be a fantastic game. Fifth up against third. And Eels at home. So that's going to be a really big test for the Cowboys. And if they can win, well, all of a sudden we're going to start to get very excited about the Cowboys. So, look, I'm going to jump into the season preview recording. Or not season preview, sorry. Around eight preview with JJ a bit, little bit later on. So I'll touch on the games they're coming up, but this is NRL Power, so let's continue to power on through the games. And 
Heading now to what I believe was our Saturday night game where the West Tigers beat the Rabbitohs two wins in a row. What a world we live in. And as I said, I was out and about on Saturday, so I didn't get to see the game. But my goodness, congratulations, Tigers. Really, really good to see them start to get some wins. They won 23-22. to Luke Brooks, clutch, Dallium 5-8 of the year candidate with the 79th minute field goal. And yeah, Rabbitohs, look, they don't look like a better version or a more improved version than the side that made the grand final last year. For the Tigers, it finally looks like they are starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel. And they've had enough. They've had enough of being dragged from every direction, including this podcast. Everyone was heaping shit on them. It got to a point where things were getting ugly and it's good to see the Tigers players had enough. They have responded with two big wins and a major part of that has been Jackson Hastings' return. He and Luke Brooks together, the ship is kind of righted a little bit better. Now though, Dane Laurie, he suffered an injury so their fullback going to be out for quite a few weeks. Not sure who they'll go. In terms of the replacement, I would say Stafford Toa who's already been playing in the first grade side, but Tigers finally having enough, getting a second win, and that is the kind of response that the fans of the club have been wanting to see. Now, the season's still young, so could the Tigers play finals football in 2022? Could this be one of the great storylines of this year? I hope that at least they make a decent run for it. Hopefully they're in the conversation for a spot in the eight. Uh, I probably, like, I predicted them to come last, so I'm not going to say they're going to come eighth, but promising signs. They're definitely building at least much better than what the start to their season was. All right, now for the stat leaders. Cam Murray, 66 tackles. Am I reading that right? I'm going to go back and check that. that. That seems fucking crazy. Surely Cam Murray did not make 66 tackles. On the weekend, let's double check up against the Tigers. Have I funged the numbers? No, Cameron Murray, 66 tackles. Fucking hell, this dude is such an elite weapon. Keon Kolomatungi running for 205 running meters, and for David Nofaluma, he had another outstanding game a double for the second week in a row, two line breaks, and six tackle breaks for Nofaluma. For the Rabbitohs, they're not gelling as quickly as fans would have hoped. They're going to need to get back to their winning ways very quickly. Or South may face a shock relegation from finals football in 2022 because there are a lot of sides below them that are improving and the sides that were above them look even better than before. No Adam Reynolds, still a concern, but Lachlan Ilias is starting to grow into the role. He's playing really well. Their errors and defense was what let them down, no doubt, for the Souths. Four handling errors from Blake Taff. That is not good enough, unfortunately. He's only young, still developing, but four handling errors in a one-point game. That is a big area of concern. And look, it's elite up at the NRL and in first grade, so no disrespect to Blake Taff, but he is going to be need to be better than that if he wants to hold his spot in the side. As far as missed tackles... Tom Burgess, rumours that they've been shopping him around. Five tackles alone for Tom Burgess in a one-point game. Again, not good enough. And six missed tackles between the halves, Cody Walker and Lachlan Elias. So missed tackles, a big concern, as well as their ability to hold on to the ball. Couldn't really create any pressure. And yeah, the Rabbitohs know how to score points, but 
they were missing a lot of tackles, a lot of errors as well throughout this game. So two simple areas of the game, and that is where the Rabbitohs let themselves down. Up next, the Tigers will be out in search of their third straight win up against the Dragons in Wollongong. And guess what? Wollongong? What's that? Guess what? Actually, what I was going to say was that the Dragons themselves now are looking for three straight wins. So what a cracking game out of nowhere. Three weeks ago, if you said, like, oh, Tigers-Dragons, like, okay, buddy, yeah, what's that for? What? Who, who cares? But now we all care, especially Tigers and Dragons fans. So that's going to be one of the games of the weekend. I'll jump into my thoughts on that when I do the preview podcast with JJ a bit later tonight. And as for the Rabbitohs, they're going to be hosting the Manly Seagulls, a huge test for Manly to prove that they are not flat track bullies. And that no doubt is going to be one of the biggest games in round eight. So look, Tigers, two wins in a row. Who knows? The future's bright. They've got Api Korosau, Isaiah Papali'i heading to the club next year, and they're building. They've got some good young players as well. So watch this space with the Tigers. Who knows? And one thing is, if they have a great season, imagine if they win the Premiership or if they win the Dallium Captain of the Year. I'm wondering, do all five captains make a speech? Is it like, surely, do they pick one? Well, you pick five at the start of the season, so you can't just have one doing the speech. There's five captains, five speeches. But look, young, the season is still young. Only two wins so far, not to discredit that at all. Very happy of what the Tigers have done in the last couple of weeks. But look, I'll hold off the Dallium Captain of the Year and their grand final winning speech until a little bit later. That's a bit of a watch this space operation. But Speaking about Watch This Space, let's jump in to the next game, which was where the Newcastle Knights hosted the Eels. And look, I thought the Knights could be a real danger side for the Eels, and that just was not the case. Unfortunately, I funged the numbers on the day. Myself and JJ were watching some MMA, and yeah, then all of a sudden I found that I was like, all right, let's see if the NRL's on. And it turns out that the NRL had eight minutes to go. So I actually missed a lot of this one as well. But Isaiah Papali'i was huge, scoring a double. And, I mean, it was incredible. 39-2. to two. The Eels, 39-2. to two. They were just totally on another level to the Knights, who are now really starting to struggle. They are sitting in 14th position on the ladder, whilst Parramatta in the top four in third spot. Five straight losses for Newcastle as well. So things starting to get a little bit dire. It's not panic stations yet, but I do have questions around their depth. And look, six straight losses would be really, really bad. So they need to pull it together very quickly. I thought we would have seen a response after the Dragons game, but there was no response to be seen here. It was basically like, you know, you send a detailed message to a close friend and they see it. It's through Facebook Messenger. And yeah, the Knights' response, essentially, they, it was a scene. They just did a scene on the message. No reply. No response. Uh, and then they deactivated their accounts, basically. So look, Knights, they need to reactivate their winning ways as soon as possible. Otherwise, Finals is going to get away from them. They're going to be missing Ponga, I would assume, during Origin. Dane Gagai injured as well, so he's been one of their best this season. And yeah, it could be darker times for Newcastle. Let's hope not. 
half glass full attitude. And as for the Eels, they are most definitely premiership contenders in my eyes. It's been really exciting in 2022. I feel like teams like the Eels and the Sharks have stepped up to a level where come finals time, I think they can absolutely challenge the best sides. We've got teams like the Seagulls and the Rabbitohs who aren't playing their best football, but if they peak at the right time of the year, they're going to be premiership contenders. The Roosters, who have been a bit of an intriguing one so far, the Storm, the Panthers, so many teams in the mix. Then you've got a side like the Cowboys, currently sitting in fifth. Won't that be a great finals campaign if they can get there come the end of the season? So really, really great football. First seven rounds, I'm very pleased. The competitive competition and anyone still in the mix. Like Obviously, you would say some teams like the Bulldogs, probably the Warriors and things like that aren't in the mix for a spot in the eight, but it's still early. I always stick by it. Everything is relative. Every situation is different. There is nothing to stop the Bulldogs from making the eight, essentially. So the season's still young, but now we're starting to get a little bit more of an idea of kind of who's ready to go this season and who maybe needs a little bit more time. Now, onto the Knights who had the very poor game. I think, look, Adam Clune and Jake Clifford worked really well together early, but it looks like Anthony Milford in the picture now. I don't think he's going to be able to play until round 11 or something like that. And I was thinking maybe bench utility, number 14. But if the Knights continue to struggle, do you move Jake Clifford to halfback and play Milford at 5'8"? Or just play Milford at halfback? Do you ha- just throw Milford straight into the starting lineup? I think if the Knights collect too many more losses, then that's what you have to do. Milford is one of those X-Factor players. I genuinely believe that he could be in for a great season at Newcastle before he heads off to the Dolphins, which I believe is the plan. So I am very interested going forward. Do we see Anthony Milford come straight into the 17 as soon as he's ready? Definitely. But I think now, maybe not a bench spot. Maybe you just have to throw him straight into the halves. Looking at some of the stat leaders for this game, 39-2. to So Eels absolutely pumping the Knights. Kurt Mann did his best to prevent that from happening with 41 tackles. Edric Lee ran his heart out 195 metres, with Ryan Madison close behind 193 metres. Isaiah Papali'i, who is Tigers bound next year, he was on fire for Parramatta. Two tries, two line breaks and six tackle busts. So Knights just could not contain him. It's been a, that, the case that way for a lot of teams, really, with Isaiah Papali'i. As far as the difference maker, look, you could name any one of the Eels players, but I have gone with Reed Marnie. Two try assists for him. He was on fire. He's such an electric dummy half. And look, I think Harry Grant, probably the favorite to wear the number nine for Queensland come origin time. But Ben Hunt, he was the only dummy half that beat New South Wales last year, and he scored two tries in the position. But Reed Marnie, Harry Grant, Ben Hunt. Those are the three, no doubt, in contention. I think we're going to see Harry Grant in the number nine and Ben Hunt in the 14. But Reed Marnie is so close to that origin debut. So, look, he is playing very, very well. And as I said, Parramatta, in my opinion, are premiership contenders this year. Up next, as I mentioned earlier, the third-placed Eels will be hosting the fifth-ranked Cowboys. And for the Knights... Oh dear, they are hosting the Melbourne Storm. That could be a danger game for the Storm. But uh, as I said a bit earlier, as a Warriors fan that went to the game last night, 
Look, the Knights aren't going to have 70 put on them. No way. I don't, I won't say no way, but like, yeah, the Knights have a bit more ticker than I think the Warriors showed in the second half of the game last night. So I don't think it's going to be an outrageous scoreline. I can actually see this being a really close one, but just on the form they're in to face the Melbourne Storm next, I guess the real positive is at least it's in Newcastle. So that could really fire the boys up and look, the last message only got a scene. Now this 39-2 requires a response. It requires a response, no doubt. They're too unresponsive and they're, they're going to have to fire up. So Newcastle, Melbourne, I'll jump into that game on the round eight preview when I record it later tonight, as I've said maybe 900 times. Uh, what I haven't said 900 times, though, is some thoughts on the next game in the round, and that was the Sunday night game. The Panthers crushing the Raiders 36-6. Stephen Crichton with a hat-trick. Isaiah Yo continuing to absolutely kill it. And yeah, I guess that's really the test. For the Warriors, their test was like, how do you go against, you know, the absolute top tier? 70-10. to 10. For the Raiders, how are you going to go against the absolute top tier? 36-6. to 6. So I think that tells us where some sides are at. Raiders... I didn't have them in my eight, even though they're my second team. Uh, I didn't have them in my eight this season, but I certainly didn't have them at the very bottom of the ladder. I do say it every week, though. The Panthers are the team to beat. They are showing no signs of slowing down. And in my opinion, Stephen Crichton is the favorite to line up in the centers for the New South Wales Blues. With Luttrell out, there is a spot there. It has to be Stephen Crichton. I mean, it doesn't. I'm not Freddie Fitless, so maybe he's going to have a different view, but I really don't think he is. I think Stephen Crichton has cemented himself as the best option to step in and play in the centres. Speaking of origin, I wonder how the Panthers are going to fare during the origin period. They're going to have a lot of guys out, but I do think they're going to be fine. They've put themselves now in a position where the team can afford to play games without their best stars, and when people like Talon May step up for Brian Toto and absolutely kill it, that definitely gives you confidence that the Panthers, maybe they'll slow down a little bit over that period, but they can afford to rest players and they can afford to navigate that tricky origin period because of their perfect start so far. Another thing I really liked on the weekend, Sonny Luke finally getting his NRL debut. He was a Panthers junior. I believe he won a, um, a New South Wales Cup premiership with the Panthers as well spent some time at the Tigers uh, a couple of other places nowhere like really substantial and just it looked like maybe he was never gonna break into the NRL and he finally got the debut coming off the bench playing some dummy half it looks like he's their third string dummy half maybe even second string who knows alongside Mitch Kenny who dropped down to the reserves but I feel like maybe that was to give Mitch Kenny some extended time playing in the dummy half position instead of playing off the bench. But Sonny Luke now involved and a part of the best team in the competition. And should injury, suspension, things like that strike, well, hopefully we're going to get to see a lot more of this fella because he played really well. And yeah, always happy to see guys who've been grinding, haven't had things go their way, have faced adversity, and they still get it to the NRL debut. And this isn't like an NRL debut with some schmuck. This is with the Panthers, who he was a Panthers junior. He was kind of part of that earlier foundation when they started building what is now this awesome manufacturing of their junior talent. 
Uh, and yeah, he was kind of there for the seeds to be planted as that. And now he gets to come back to this fucking awesome team, which in a small way, a very small way, he helped build. So good on him. Congratulations on your debut, Sonny Luke. And one of the many unsung heroes in this side, guys like Scott Sorensen, Jamin Salmon, they have been outstanding this year. And if you want to talk about extending, uh, outstanding, Isaac Tago and Taylor May killing it this season. We weren't exactly sure. We knew they were good, but, you know, it's a big thing to ask. For, like, how's Tago going to go replacing Matt Burton? Well, it's going fucking awesome. How's Taylor May going to go? Well, Brian Toho is awesome. Uh, awesome? English failing. I'll just skip past that one. My bad. Uh, let's get on to the Raiders, who, look, I could compare their form to my form of speaking English. Very patchy. Some good moments, no doubt, but ultimately can't go through 80 minutes without several stuff-ups. I think they're a write-off for 2022. Does that, like, not too bad? I think they should keep Ricky on, but they're not going to play finals. Now is a transition period. They are blooding some really good young players, but something at the Raiders just seems off. So I think they'll bring young players through, work out what the future or the next 5, 10 years of the Raiders looks like, and they'll start going in that direction. But in my opinion, from what we've seen from the Raiders, I don't think they'll be playing finals football this year. Something just is not working down in the nation's capital. I can't exactly tell you what, but they have such a great team on paper and they are far too good to be sitting second to last on the ladder. Looking at the stat leaders, Stephen Crichton with the hat trick, got two line breaks as well. Nathan Cleary was on fire as always. Two try assists for Nathan. Tom Starling, he was a major target in defense for the Panthers. Had to make 49 tackles, so no doubt Panthers' plan was to just send the big bodies all game at the little fella defending in the middle. And Dylan Edwards, who has been in career best form the last two seasons, running for 258 meters. It just seems to be a theme of every game where Dylan Edwards is putting up huge numbers. And one of the most underrated players in the NRL, just because of the fact that there are superstars like Pappenhausen and Tedesco. It's such an elite position. But honestly, tell me, in the last like three years, who do you think is the better fullback? Kalen Ponga or Dylan Edwards? Interesting questions. I wish Dylan Edwards was a Queenslander, but he's not. Anyway, up next, the Ra- and no offense, that was no, no slight on Kalen Ponga as well. That was just an example because Kellen Pong is fucking awesome, and he's this like huge marquee player. Everyone loves him. He's got a big brand, five-year deal, getting paid heaps because he's earned it, and he's awesome. But it's like, fuck me. Someone might just decide, hey, Dylan Edwards, we're going to pay you a hell of a lot of money. Why don't you come and leave Penrith and come over to our club? But he just it's the whole thing of them. They're all mates. They've all played together coming through the grades. So Dylan Edwards, I think... Part of the reason he's playing so well is because he's surrounded about uh, around guys who are just so familiar with his game. The connections are there. The chemistry is there playing-wise. And Dylan Edwards is just absolutely killing it at the moment. Up next, the Raiders are going to be taking on the Warriors in Redcliffe. My two teams, Warriors first team, uh, the Raiders my second. So I always love watching that game. And at least I get to see one of them win. So that, that is always good. As for the Panthers, they are going to travel to the Gold Coast. 
taking on the Titans. Titans form, I don't think... I, I, I can't go against the Panthers at that uh, this stage. I'll jump into that game in the season preview, though. Let me collect myself. Let me get some composure. Maybe do one online English tutorial or something, and we'll make it work. The preview is going to be fucking awesome because I have just bought a huge new MacBook, and that's going to be the first podcast released on it. So this, potentially the last ever podcast released on my dying laptop, and we are stepping up in the world. So the preview is going to be fucking awesome. Do not forget to follow us on Instagram at not just a sports report and follow us whatever platform you're listening on or on whatever platform you're listening on. English, English, English. And you will be able to see when the awesome new season preview comes out because the salesperson told me when I bought the laptop, they're like, yeah, it's awesome. You never muddle your lines. And yeah, you just speak perfectly. And I was like, oh, I'll take it. So preview coming up, but we have got two more games, I believe in this podcast to get through and they are the two Anzac Day games starting with the Dragons and the Roosters and uh, honestly should I just do the seven games do we even go into the Storm and the Warriors of course we do gotta ride the highs with the lows but I tell you what now I truly understand that saying if you can't handle me at my worst you don't deserve me at my best so at least I know I deserve the Warriors at their best but what we got last night was their worst. Not the case, though, for the Dragons. Not their worst by any stretch of the imagination. Getting the Anzac Day upset over the Roosters, 14-12. to 12. Now, I had to work on Anzac Day, and then I had to get myself ready to go to the Warriors game. Uh, so I didn't watch it live. I have seen highlights, though. And no doubt, the difference maker, Ben Hunt, he is worth the million dollars. A lot of people were laughing and taking the piss out of him for a while for the fact that the Dragons were paying him a million dollars. A hell of a lot of scrutiny. And look at him now. The captain, the difference maker, leading from the front. Now there's talk he's worth more than a million dollars. And let that be a lesson. Don't always talk shit about how much players are getting paid or their form line because, yeah, now what was that scrutiny? Like, yeah, Ben Hunt wasn't playing well at the time. But fucking look at him now. He's killing it. He is one of the best halfbacks in the competition. No doubt the difference maker with his two try assists. Dragons winning 14-12. And for the Roosters, they're taking their time to adjust. A lot of injuries last year. So a very different lineup this year. They had the retirements of the Morris brothers, Jake Friend, Boyd Cordner. So a lot of really big losses there. So they're trying to work out now what the best 17 is going forward. In the halves, Luke Carey and Sam Walker. Two smaller halves. That's been a point of contention, but I think both are such good players that they are going to be able to make it work. And you've also got someone in the squad like Drew Hutchison who can play in the halves. That's his first preference. And he's a bigger body, so you can use him throughout different stages of the season. As far as the left center position, that's kind of been the one that Trent Robinson's still trying to find an answer for. On the right wing, they've had Joseph Suwali. On the left wing, we of course have Daniel Tupo, although he has now been suspended. Right centre is Joey Manu. Tedesco, fullback, but that left centre, we've seen a mixture. Guys like Billy Smith, Paul Momorowski, and Kevin Naiguama. Those are the three that are in contention. And you've got someone like Adam Kieran as well. So there's a lot of competitions for that one spot in the Roosters' first-choice backline, and very good players too, so I'm keen to see 
who steps up and is able to take that position and make it theirs. For St. George, it was the Dragons' most important and meaningful win of the season. Two straight wins, and now the Dragons find themselves back in top eight calculations. Roosters are one of the elite teams of the competition, and Dragons dragged them into a close game where some of the losses they had recently, they were getting smashed, so they've definitely fixed some things up. The positional changes seem to be working. Moses Embai at fullback, definitely an interesting one. Okay, now time for the stat leaders. Incredible. James Tedesco, 312 run meters. He could not be stopped. In the highlights that I did see, he looked phenomenal. And 312 run meters, that is as elite as it gets. Sam Verrills, the Roosters dummy half, ended up starting at dummy half for the first time this season. 50 tackles for him, three line breaks for Joey Manu, and Ben Hunt, the difference maker with his two try assists. Next up, the Roosters are going to be taking on the last placed and understrength Bulldog side, and the Dragons are going to be hosting the West Tigers. Both sides looking for their third straight victory, so that should be one of the cracking contests of the weekend. And speaking of cracking contests, unfortunately not in my favor, it is time to jump into the final game of round seven, and that was the side that I love so dearly, the Warriors. Up against the Melbourne Storm. This has been Not Just a Sports Report. Thanks for listening and good night. Now, I will go into the game. Uh, yeah, 70 to 10. 70 to 10. What, what, where do you even start with that? And look, I'm not going to drag the Warriors super hard. They are my team. That's uh, more a reflection on just how good the Storm are, but. The Warriors, some of them did give up. And look, I haven't gone back and watched a replay of the game. I was there live, so a different experience. But that was my perception. I don't know exactly what went on. There were definitely players giving it their all, but a few people gave up out there. And look, Josh Curran and Dylan Wateni Zalesniak, both huge losses, but 70 points is inexcusable. The Melbourne Storm showed exactly how good they are. The Warriors... Halftime looked great. I went off to get some more drinks. I was feeling very giddy. We were right in the contest. But Melbourne Storm are on a totally different level. If the Storm are an English Premier League side, then the Warriors seem to be an English League 2 side. They really need to do some work. 70-10, to not good enough. And as I said, look, they're staying away from home. I'm not going to bash the shit out of them. No one is going to be more disgusted by that scoreline than the players themselves. Look, the atmosphere was great. I actually enjoyed the night a lot, but this is where the Warriors stack up against the best sides. Melbourne tearing them to shreds. 70-10. to 10. Xavier Coates scoring a hat-trick in less than 10 minutes. Four tries overall. The tries just kept coming. I was like, no. It, it was not fun. Ryan Pappenhausen absolutely tore us a new one. Now he's really firming. No matter what, you've got to put him in the Blues 14, but does he line up on the wing? Does he crack the starting side? He's even putting pressure on James Tedesco. So, look, Ryan Pappenhausen has to be the favorite for the Dallium medal at this stage of the season. Stat-wise, Jazz Tavanga leading with 46 tackles, so you've got to say he gave it a fair crack. Most run meters, Justin Olin with 202. Ryan Pappenhausen with two line breaks. And one thing I didn't see at the game, I want to just quickly check the Warriors' errors and missed tackles and see 
whether there was anyone. So three errors from Edward Kosey. He just could not seem to hold the ball, unfortunately. Not a great night for him. He was defending Xavier Coates. Unfortunate night for him. Look, he's still young in his NRL career, but three errors. Two for you and Aitken. All three of Kosey's errors were handling errors. One of them with a chance to score the first try. He had the handling error. Ryan Pappenhausen scooped it straight up. Jerome Hughes ran the field and scored. So that tells you, you, you really need to hold on to the ball. I was talking about Blake Taff earlier and his lack of ball control. And it was here again for the Warriors. Reese Walsh, six missed tackles. But look, it was because a lot of guys were leaving him to make do all the work. Six missed tackles for Walsh, four for Egan, four for Lodge, five missed tackles for Bailey Sirenin. A lot of threes in there. Just not good enough by any stretch. I think when I knew that it was going downhill was when Nelson Asofa Solomona, big Nass, got it on fifth tackle, put a kick in the air, and Pappenhausen scored. That was when I was like, okay. But what a great moment, nonetheless. What a hilarious moment. I love when props kick. And when it results in a try, like, Craig Bellamy would have been like, holy shit, you know, he would have lost it if that didn't come off. But that came off perfectly. And let's not forget Melbourne's big five, which that's what I've been calling them. Harry Grant, Brandon Smith, Pappenhausen, Munster, and Hughes. That combination is just insane, especially given the players that they have around them. And they showed exactly what they can do if you give them a chance. 70 points to 10. And let's not forget Tarek Sims heading to the Melbourne Storm next year. As far as my X-Factor player of the weekend, I do it in every NRL Power podcast. It had to be Ryan Pappenhausen. Two tries. I believe he had three try assists. I'm just going to pull that up. So two tries for Pappenhausen, two line breaks, three try assists, three tackle breaks. How many points did Ryan Pappenhausen score? Let me see. Four, eight... 10, 12, 14, 16, 18 points, 20, 22 points for Ryan Pappenhausen. He scored 12 more points than the Warriors themselves. I had to go Ryan Pappenhausen for my X-Factor player of round seven. And let me just quickly pull up my Instagram page at Not Just the Sports Report because I believe this may already be Ryan Pappenhausen's third nomination for X-Factor player of the round we are only at round seven and let me just have a quick double check yes that is three x-factor player across the entire round every player three already out of seven have been ryan pappenhausen are the delium odds on i don't know there was that fuckwit who ruined it for everyone i would love to have a look at what the odds are for Ryan Pappenhausen, Deliam. If he stays fresh and healthy, then I think now we have a favorite for the medal. So Ryan Pappenhausen has got to contend with a lot of guys within his own team. But for the third time in what has already just been a short season, we haven't had a heap of action. Three X-Factor player of the rounds for Ryan Pappenhausen. This guy is fucking next level. As far as my cause for concern, usually dominated by the Tigers, they've managed to get themselves out of the furnace. It was going to be the Bulldogs, they're sitting last, and then the Warriors happened. So my cause for concern, any side that has 70 points on them, that is deserving of cause for concern. I don't care where the Bulldogs sit on the ladder, they, didn't, they lost 44 to nil 
to the storm, which I, I don't know, 10 points is all right, better than nil, but 44, definitely a bit easier to take than 70. So no doubt my cause for concern are the Warriors. They seem to have a real lack of fitness. They just seem to be taking breaths in a lot earlier. When I was watching the game last night, the Storm guys were barely even breaking a sweat. Like watching them come back to their line, they weren't breathing heavily. They were just coming back, chill, get straight back into their work. And they were playing so fast and the Warriors could not keep up. They played really well that first 40 or 50 minutes, but the last half an hour, I know there were injuries, but totally outclassed. And yeah, we just can't play for 80 minutes, which is a massive concern. Preseason, one of the concerns as well I had was the coach, Nathan Brown. I still haven't seen enough to suggest that this is the guy to take us forward uh, like in the long term. We do have some players that I think can take us forward in the long term, but now I am starting to get concerned about the Warriors. We started to string some wins together, and then we had that loss to the Roosters, but now I truly know where we stack up against the top side. So a big response is going to be needed from the Warriors. They are my round seven cause for concern. And up next, Warriors up against the Raiders. Raiders very concerning in their own right. They were actually round sixes uh, cause for concern. So this is going to be a big cause for concern game. The losers are going to find themselves in a very unenviable position. Whilst the winners, there is still time, as we like to say. So still a lot of time to make a run, but massively concerned about the Warriors. Pretty similar vibes with the Canberra Raiders. And as for the Storm, they are going to be taking on a side who they're putting their hand up. They're saying, why have we not been nominated for cause for concern yet? And that is the Newcastle Knights somehow managing to avoid the cause for concern label. But gee whiz, it is really getting there. So that Storm game is going to be one I'll be paying very close attention to. I know that I missed a few games over this last round, but it'll be back to regular proceedings. I'll be smashing out all the footy, except I will be working Friday night. So Friday will be the only one that I miss, but I'll be getting through all the footy. And do not forget that we are going to be doing the NRL preview podcast tonight. So that'll be coming out tomorrow. Myself and JJ looking through all of the upcoming games in round eight. So look, that has been the NRL power podcast. Just quickly recapping the three awards I give each time. X Factor player of the round, Ryan Pappenhausen, Rising star, Selwyn Cobbo from the Broncos. And cause for concern, my beloved Warriors. Keeping the faith truly is a theme. And what else can, what else can we do? So going to keep the faith. Going to jump into the NRL season preview now. And we've got the new laptop. We have got some excellent additions to the new setup. So I cannot wait to launch into it. This has been NRL Power. Do not forget if you enjoyed the podcast to follow us on Instagram at not just a sports report. But other than that, those are my thoughts and comments on round seven. And I'll be back obviously with the round eight preview. So until then, take care of yourselves and have a great night, day, whatever, whatever time zone. You could be anywhere. So have a great time, I guess. Thanks for listening. <laughs>